0: Venture Seekers, welcome. Jedi, ninja, and wizards tolerated. Hello, I'm your host, Ran Law, and here is today's quote. Understanding that the essence of martial arts is not the art itself, but what's hidden deep within yourself. Gojin Yamaguchi. Now it's time for AJNW News. Today, our top story is the battle tunic. Late in the night, I was awakened by a sound. I sprang from my bed and put on my battle tunic, which I keep next to me for just such an occasion. My battle tunic is comprised of a Scottish tartan of blue and black, but it's more than just a kilt, as it has sleeves and covering for my chest and back. I also automatically reached for my short sword as I closed the cloth belt around my waist. Instead of grabbing a wakizashi, I chose a kukri as my weapon of choice. Do you have your bathrobe? My wife asked. It's cold out there. That was her pet name for my battle tunic. I opened the front door to see who was trying to get in my house at this late hour, and I noticed that the automatic lights had not come on. So because there was no indication from the motion detector or any sirens going off, I figured it was safe to go back to bed. Coupled with this was the reassurances from my wife that it was a cat climbing into the litter box that had awakened me. I had once again defended our home and returned to bed safely and unscathed, although I did leave the front door open purposely to give any lollygaggers outside an opportunity to come in while I was still ready. But seeing that there were no takers, I decided to go back and close it up for the rest of the evening. At least this time, I had got out of bed before I began my defense, unlike the week before when I started punching and kicking in my sleep. If you would like to support this podcast, you can sell your blood. Or failing that, you can pledge a gift on Anchor.FN.RandLaw. law Another way you can support if you have some loose change is you can go to my Patreon page, Patreon Backslash Rand Coming up next, AJNW weather. Fall is here and the leaves are turning from a combination of the cold, the water, the breeze, and the lack of sunshine. Meanwhile, we're trying to squeeze in one last Category 1 hurricane. On to our traffic report at AJNW news. Anticipation begins for the filling of the pond. Both foot traffic and vehicle traffic gather periodically to watch the raindrops in their attempt to fill the hole in the ground. And now it's time for AJNW Sports. The neighbors got to go and see their son down at Cardinals Stadium for the football game. The neighbor's wife reports that the Cardinals won heartily. She didn't know who they were playing. However, her son did an exceptional job, as always, doing whatever it is that he does. Meanwhile, college and professional sports are all going on simultaneously. Next, I see it's time for human interest insights. The college experience has forever been changed, at least for the students that are attending. Concerns over COVID bound, and I am reminded of the messages from a song I always found meaningful, right now, by Van Halen, sung by Sammy Hagar. To me, it seems to set the focus. Give it a listen and tell me what you think. Coming up next, we have a haiku by Sensei, entitled Modern Wizards, The Ring of Power. Time and focus is the key. Training is the goal. Now it's time for Q&A with Sensei, and messages. We have received greetings and salutations from martial artists in several states as well at our home base. I periodically change my Facebook image about once a month on an average, and I decided to post one that I had previously never used. It was of James Williams Sensei and myself standing together after yet another insightful Seminar that he gave. I'd been reluctant to post it initially because I didn't want to seem like a martial artist that was trying to validate myself by posting a picture with a martial art celebrity. That's why I waited 10 years before I used this photo. This way, it only seems like someone who is trying to recapture days of their youth. Well, if not youth, less old. I was pleased when I received a message from james Williamson say, informing me that he was stealing the photo for his collection my email is rand at rand lawrence and my web page wwwrand com. coming up next we continue on with the introduction to book four of the mystic dreamwalker series jace lee the shift we left off last time with the hero Xander Davidson, not sure if he was in a dream or if he had been transported into a separate reality. Lying on his stomach, he slowly descended into the darkened tunnel with his hands held in front of him and on the sides of the tunnel wall. His hands served both as a probe and a type of friction brake. His bare feet also served as a braking mechanism. He felt as if he were going down an encased water slide, and it was simple enough to glide along, even without water to help propel him. He had found no sharp edges or sudden splits or changes of the angle in the tunnel. In fact, as he descended, his apprehension started to abate as he could feel more fresh air Rushing toward him, the further he went, he wasn't sure how far he had come, but he had mentally been dreading the possibility of having to crawl backward, uphill, out of this tunnel, if there wasn't a sufficient size opening for him to exit from when he reached the end. While holding his left hand out in front of him as a probe, he had paused for a moment to wipe a trickle of sweat from his face with his right hand. Even with the breeze, the closeness of the tunnel had gotten him perspiring again, and his eyes were beginning to burn from the sting of the sweat. Due to an unexpected sneeze, this moment of inattention, however brief, coupled with the slippery effect of wet, sweating feet on the glass walls, facilitated his forward momentum. The silk of his nightshirt, through momentary loss of traction, sent him careening rapidly down the passage that had taken an unexpected final downward plunge. The unexpected propulsion forward brought a single long-drawn-out sound of the vowel. Oh! He came sliding out into a small mound of wind-swept sand. The brightness of the starlight was magnified because of his journey through darkness. He quickly got to his feet, and examined himself, pleased to find that he had suffered no injuries other than a small amount of friction burn to the palms of his hands, where they skimmed across the surface of the sand upon his exit. Standing up, and looking around, he realized he was on a desert plateau, and there was no sign of man-made structures in sight. He dusted himself off, and looked up to the sky to see if he could orient himself by the stars while he had been learning the rudimentary elements of celestial navigation he had not devoted enough time to master this craft he was wishing that he had his grandfather harley with him at this moment as he could not recognize a single constellation in the sky as he stood gazing upward he heard the slight crunch of sand as someone or something approaching him from behind and before he could turn he felt his arm being brushed against without conscious thought he yielded to the pressure of the touch before contact could be made he sidestepped while turning and added his own downward pressure to this force it was standard aikijujutsu training and it had the effect of unexpectedly pulling a chair out from underneath of someone as they were sitting down he found in the swirl of motion that he had just thrown a pre-adolescent boy for a loop and he had come to rest on the sand in front of him he immediately noticed that the boy was wearing a long white and very light gray colored tunic he saw that the boy was unarmed and had the wind knocked out of him immediately Rushed to him and helped the young lad to his feet as he repeatedly asked if the boy was okay. The young man looked stunned and did not respond immediately. When he did, it was in a language that sounded like babbling water to his ears. He explained that he did not understand the young man's words, but again he told him how sorry he was as he continued to inquire how the boy was doing. The young man finally seemed to gather his wits about him and fell to his knees bowing before him. The muffled sound of the lad's voice now carried a more familiar sound to his ear. He stood listening intently as he tried to make out what it was the boy was saying. But it was difficult because of the boy having his forehead pressed to the sand while his fingers were interlocked over top of his head and his forearms clamped to the side of his face while his elbows were touching his knees. He leaned forward and gently lifted the boy's shoulders up so that he could hear what the young man was saying to him. The boy's hair was closely cropped, and his head hung backwards, and his mouth was slightly agape as he lifted him up. He tried twice to set the boy on his feet, but each time the lad's knees buckled under his own body weight before the youth finally seemed to realize that he was trying to get him to stand on his feet. As soon as the boy comprehended what this mysterious visitor was doing, his mouth closed, his head came up, and his stance became firmer, but his eyes remained wide with wonder. What were you saying? asked the visitor. Could you repeat it for me? The boy nodded affirmatively, and then said in perfectly spoken English, but with a strong accent that reminded him of something that had a Native American sound to it. It was then that he noticed the boy had a slightly darker skin tone and hair color than himself. It was hard to determine such things in starlight. He might have been Asian as far as he could tell. I had said that the legends are true, and I've seen with my own eyes light falling from the sky and descending into the place where the fire of the worlds began. I stood, my watch, through the night, and prayed. The celestial warrior that will save the world has appeared, said the boy. The light that you saw coming out of the sky, can you describe it? Asked the visitor. Yes, it looked like a man on fire, with flames that did not burn. You saw a body falling from the sky? Are you sure it was not a ship or some type of glowing vessel that you saw? Without a doubt, it was the body of a man, with two arms, two legs, and a head glowing with a light so bright it hurt my eyes to watch. How far up in the sky was it when it appeared? Was it far off? No, you appeared in the darkness of the night, just above the ring of holy spires. I just looked up because I felt as if someone was watching me. And then the darkness turned into light as you descended into the crown of the desert. I observed the glow of light fade, Behind the glass of the Holy Ring, I realize you are testing me, but you will find that I have learned my lessons and know all of the legends concerning the return of the Celestial Warrior, said the boy confidently. Further proof that you are the Celestial Warrior is you only speak the holy tongue and are dressed in fine raiment, just as the legends foretold. Where are we? Where do you live? And are there any adults I can speak to? Young lad, Looked at him as if he had been asked a rhetorical question or was being subjected to further testing. It seemed that in an effort not to appear impudent, he pointed back toward the volcanic spire of the glass. Then, without waiting for a reply, the young boy began walking around the circular structure on the path. The visitor was relieved that the trail he was upon was comfortable enough for barefoot walking. He noticed that the young boy was also barefoot, but the time they had encircled around the structure, the first red light of day peaked above the horizon from some far-off distant mountains. It was obvious that there were some sort of structures not more than three or four miles north and east of their position, which was located at the base of a small mountain range that seemed to go on forever. After the first mile eastward, the path that they followed took a sharper turn north toward the base of a small mountain. As they walked, the visitor continued to ask the young boy questions, but for whatever reason, the boy remained silent. The visitor began to wonder if he had somehow offended the boy. The path widened as they approached the town, but it remained nothing more than a rugged, dirt lane, like you would find around any farm. By the time he could make out the structures of the building in the town, he spotted a bridge that appeared to be constructed from huge boulders and rocks that had been brought down from the mountain. Underneath the bridge there was a small stream that was no more than twelve feet across. The morning air was filled with the pleasant sound of rippling water. As they crossed over the bridge, the visitor could see several women and a group of children lowering buckets into the stream to fill pails full of water the sounds of their voices reflected the sounds of the words he had first heard from the young boy and again the words reminded him of the sound of babbling water some of the children pointed at him as he made his way toward the town and one of the younger women somewhere in her teens set her bucket down and lifted the hem of her long skirt and ran up the slope of the banks. By the time he and the young lad had made their way around the curve in the trail, as they entered the town, a group of men were walking out to meet them. He had spotted women and children standing, watching from outside of adobe block igloo-shaped homes that had some sort of ground cover plants covering their domes. In the morning light, he noticed that the entire village, like the boy he had, Initially, met had shiny black hair, lightly brown skin, and dark brown eyes. All of the men were dressed in various shades of natural plant fiber colored looking cloth tunics that hung to their knees with wide woven belts. Most of these men were also barefoot, but he noticed a few had a type of wooden soled sandals and they were all armed with shoulder-height staffs. I highly recommend martial art instruction. Everything I do has been influenced by the martial arts. I have no weapons, but a weapon can be made. Knowledge of her power. Tokushi Kenpo. Keep following your dreams.